listening to the Success Leaves Clues podcast, where we're having conversations with regular people doing outstanding and legacy-changing things in corporate America and entrepreneurship. If you're looking for the blueprint to help you make less mistakes on your journey to freedom and ultimate purpose, then this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Dr. K. Dr. K. Hey, I'm excited to be here today with um, a journalist, an entrepreneur, and a podcast host herself, Helen Croydon. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, um, first, first of all, uh, you're not in the United States. No, where where are you located? So you're I'm in, in the UK. Uh, I I live in a town called Brighton, which is about an hour south of London, on the coast by the sea. It's gorgeous. Uh, but my business that I run is is based in London. So we're a hybrid model. We work remote most of the time, and then we come into the office um, one or two times a week. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, so thanks a lot for um, working with me. I know it's been tough getting the schedule together with the time zone differences with your busy schedule. And so I really appreciate you coming on and sharing with the guests today. Oh, no, that's fine. Um, Likewise. I know what it's like with busy schedules and people running businesses. Yeah. Your show, um, tell us a little bit about your show, um, your podcast, and, and, and what you do for the audience. Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, predominantly, I run a PR agency, uh, which is called Thought Leadership PR. And um, we specialize in, as the title suggests, thought leadership, promoting thought leadership um, or personal PR, you could call it. I guess it's all they all fall under the same umbrella term of profile raising. So what we do is we try to raise people's profiles so that they become thought leaders in their industry. Um, So um, a part of that is getting our clients into the media, getting them um, thought leadership articles, which we um, try and help them formulate ideas for. And we, then we help them write them and then we help them place them in the media. Uh, we try to get them onto podcasts <laughs> like, like this one, perhaps. Um, and we try to get them speaking engagements and we help with 
their uh, LinkedIn presence as well. And there's various other things as well, you know, like just giving basic advice on their SEO and their websites. But the the main thing is the um, writing and placing of thought leadership articles and media coverage. So because of that, um, we have to know a lot about how the media works and um, what what. I guess, slots and opportunities are available for our clients. So, and that's where my podcast comes in. So I run, um, I host this podcast called The Media Insider. And again, as the title suggests, it features interviews with insiders in the media, i.e. editors or producers at um, publications or broadcast programmes. And I interview them on exactly what their publication covers, what the regular slots might be, what the regular features might be, um, so that we can understand, the, the listeners can understand that publication and then think how their story or their expertise might be able to fit. Yeah, it's you're really building a brand for an individual, like you said, and that's new to me because when I think about PR, I don't think about a firm, you know, such as thought leadership. And I, I think about a company, right? So you think about branding for either a celebrity mm-hmm or a corporation? Why is it important to have this kind of PR and branding for an individual? Yeah, that's such a great question. And, and exactly, you know, we do specialize in that personal PR and a lot of people are surprised by that or don't quite understand, you know, what it is. Um, mm. Why it's important is um, because it builds an authority to your, it cements your expertise. I mean, it's not necessarily important for certain businesses and for, for certain positions, um, but it, I think for anyone who has some sort of subject matter expertise or who is leading a team, leading a business, wants to get into the, wants to get their unique insights or their unique opinion or view on something into the public domain, um, then it's important. And um, the reason that I focus on personal PR specifically, there's two reasons, actually. One is because there's just more opportunities, you know. Like okay. PR is becoming so competitive. If you go to a journalist and say, hey, we've just launched this new product or we're running this event or we've just got a new uh, CEO, the journalist's like, so what? You know, there's, there's thousands and thousands yeah. of companies out there. So, but if you're PRing a person, so the person behind the business, like the CEO or, or anyone in, in the C-suite really, um, they've got opinions, they've got expertise, they've got a unique um, insight on something. So they can give quotes to journalists or they can go on a podcast or they can give a talk. Um, so from my view, it's just more, there's more opportunities. And of course, the objective is usually to promote the business because the business is going to get a mention by default of right. the person's name. Um, but that isn't the, we don't focus on the news of the company, we focus on the expertise, you know, of the leader. And um, that's the first reason. And then the second reason we focus on that is just because that's where my um, experience and, and background comes from. So I'm, I'm a former journalist and author myself. So I had to raise my own profile. Um, I spent years, you know, pitching myself to the media, um, doing talks to promote my books, etc. So I kind of learned how to do it. And I learned what worked and what didn't work. And the concept of the principles of how to develop a story or how to pivot your expertise into a way that the wider public will find interesting. So um, I guess mm. I just figured out a, a formula and then made it into um, a service for other people who want to raise their personal profiles. Yeah. 
Why, why journalism? How did you you find that career path? How did you know you wanted to be in journalism? Oh, you know, I, I've had a, a career that's kind of jumped around for all, from all different things. I don't think I ever found what I really wanted to do. I'd always wanted to be a writer. Well, I did. No, I did yeah. find what I wanted to do. I was a writer for a while, but it's so hard to make it work um, money-wise, you know, as anyone mm. listening to this podcast who's tried to publish a book, you know, will know there's, it's great for, for, for status, great for thought leadership, great for getting your views on, but you, you, you can't live on it. Um, so how did I become a journalist? I had always wanted to be a writer and um, I didn't start off as a journalist. I started off as an accountant, would you believe it? Not my, uh, not my thing really, but you know, left university, didn't know what to do and um, got one of these graduate training schemes and my, my degree was Japanese and this company that I went to work for had a Japanese division. So that's why I got the job. Was not cut out for the corporate world at all. So then I decided, right, you know what, I've always wanted to write, let's leave and do and go back to college and do journalism. So that's what I did. So then I worked in local radio um, so I just ended up, you know, my first journalism job happened to be in broadcast journalism rather than uh, written journalism. And that was just an accident, really. And um, so I ended up uh, in radio and then in TV news for several years. And then I had a career crisis again because I suddenly thought, hold on a minute. I became a journalist because I wanted to write, but I'm not writing. I'm just editing uh you know, I'm editing scripts and I'm I'm editing yeah. audio and I'm editing pictures. So let's try again. So I left again and then um, left my career in broadcasting. I worked for quite a big um, broadcasting organisation in the UK called ITN, which is one of the, the main news uh, providers. So I left that job and went freelance so that I could pitch stories to the media um, from you know from an out from the outside. And I did and I, and I did that for several years. And I think I was published in most of the UK national papers at some point so really built up a strong understanding of what editors want what is a story how you can with the different formats for stories and how you can pivot your expertise to kind of get in the door sort of thing and um but it was always a struggle you know it, it's it's mm -hmm. being a freelance writer it's so competitive and it's a few hundred quid here and a I say quid and your American audience pounds right it's a few hundred pounds here and a few <laughs> hundred pounds there and I'm yeah. getting, um, I'd go on to TV and do some commentating sometimes. And again, it's really unreliable. You know, it's a massive high when you get a job. You know, you go on to, and onto Sky News or BBC and you review the papers or whatever. It's a brilliant high. But then you don't hear from them for, for weeks and you think, oh gosh, what, you know, where's my next role coming from? And then I wrote, uh, within yeah. that time of being freelance, I wrote uh, three books, one of which was a, my first one was a dating memoir, so I kind of don't, <laughs> I sort of uh, try not to speak that one, about that one as much these days. That was in my younger, wilder days, but it, it's book sold really well, um, yeah. made family Christmases probably awkward for a few years, uh, but the book did well. That cemented my name as a writer, so um, again, you know, and a commentator on that area. So um, I was doing that writing, commentating, writing books for about nine years. And then I thought, this is, this is so difficult, not really earning that much money. But at the same time, people were coming to me and saying, oh, wow, I've seen you uh, on the BBC reviewing the papers. How can I do that? Or I've seen you write for this paper. How can I get 
how can I do that? And I started to think, oh, I actually, I've got all this expertise that I'm taking for granted that other people want to know about. So I just started to do bits of consultancy, bits of media training. Um, And what I realized is interesting, and this goes back to the whole value of PR. What I realized is that having a profile, doing all these things in the public eye, getting an interview on a podcast or getting an interview on TV or radio or writing an article media does have value, has massive value Mm. for status, right? So if you're running a business or if you have a service at the end of that to lead people to, then all that media exposure is massive value. But if you're just a journalist per se and you've got nothing to, to, there's no kind of call to action to what you're doing, there's no value. Mm -hmm. You just get get paid a, a small fee. So I started to think, well, there's all these people who run businesses and services who do want that media exposure. I know how they can get it. Yeah. And for them, there is value because they, they, they can lead people to their business from that. So that's what I did. And that's how, how my business came about, um, was deciding to specialize on that, getting people you know, into, into the media um, with a view to um, promoting their businesses. Yeah. During this time in your life, did you know you were going to be successful? Because you're you're going through all of these struggles between different parts of your career. And they were successful at the time. But then you said, look, I don't know if this is exactly what I want to do. I don't know if this is going to pay well. Did you know it was leading to something? No. No, I've always had a um, a crisis. I've always had a career crisis. And this is really this is a really interesting uh, topic you brought up because I think success is defined by so many different things, isn't it? And um, I never felt successful, probably because I never uh, was in a position in my career where I was earning a lot of money. And I always felt like I wasn't quite where I wanted to be. Yes, I had a book published and it did well, but it wasn't a, a, a bestseller. It was still pretty good, but it wasn't right up there. And yes, I got the odd TV gig, but I never got kind of a regular thing. So that's so interesting because that you say this, because from the outside, I think people did think I was successful. I never felt it because mm-hmm. it was still short of where I wanted to be. So there's this disconnect. Yeah. And actually, and that's very frustrating for people who who feel that. So um, I'm so, so the answer is no. I never felt successful until recently, and now I've got my own business, and um, and I do feel successful in that because I'm doing what I want, and and it's it's going somewhere. However, I still it's it's hard uh, running a business, and you still have crisis of confidence as a case. Yep. It's up and down, and it goes really well, or then you have you know a bit of a rough patch. You have um, problems with with team member or so many things which we can talk about later um, in terms of challenges of business. But it's um, in terms of feeling successful. I don't know if um, anyone ever feels that or perhaps Mm. it's a type of personality. Because I think that the people that are always striving for something, they're never quite if, if you're never quite. At the position where you want to be then you're never going to feel successful right and perhaps that's the driver to 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 make us keep going yeah it makes you it makes you keep going because um you you reach a level and then you're always looking for the next level of success the next achievement uh you, you write a book but then you're looking at the next book you're going to write or the next publication yeah and so sometimes it takes it takes a moment to sit back and realize 
how far you've come. And um, not to mention, you're probably living somebody else's dream, right? Somebody else is now, <laughs> you know, striving to live Helen's life. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, probably. But then it's, I think that's a, you know, that's a trap we fall into. Live, someone else is never living the dream because you just, and I never feel that about other people. I never look at someone and admire them and think, oh gosh, I wish I lived. I live their yeah. life because I always know that um, whatever you see or, or the thing that you admire is just one part of that person's life. And there's probably loads of Absolutely. other stuff underneath, loads of other struggles or, or, or things about their life or their personality that you mm -hmm. wouldn't want. Um, it's funny, actually, because someone asked me the other day, uh, who do you most admire? It's a common question, isn't it? You know, in all these mm. like quizzes yeah. or um various things like that and I never have an answer to that because there isn't there's aspects of people I admire or there's facets but there isn't mm. like one person I admire. and so I think anyone that thinks oh you're living the dream is is if anyone who thinks that about anyone I think they're a bit deluded or they're not seeing the bigger picture wow that's, you're, you're absolutely right and when you step back and look at it it's um you're you're only seeing um, a silo or a segment of their life. Maybe they're very successful in their career and you got high performers in the corporate sector or something like that. They go home and they, they really don't get along with their family, don't get along with the kids and yeah. not happy. Yeah, yeah. Or they get, you know, or they have to get up at 6 a.m. to get everything in and they might be under, uh, you know, overstressed, underslept. There's, um, you just yeah. don't know what what sacrifices people have made to get there or what isn't working on on the underside yeah that's right how do you um deal with entrepreneurship because this sounds like well maybe it's not i was going to say this is your first business but then essentially you was a consultant and you was freelancing so that was entrepreneurship in itself too yeah yeah um but this is the first time I've actually run a business. It's very different. I think being a consultant and um, I suppose that was being freelance, you know, describing that as being freelance. So, yes, still being self-employed and still having the disciplines, of, I think, are the same. But um, actually running a business is completely different to anything else I'd ever done in my career. And I can absolutely hand on heart say it's the hardest thing I've ever done. And it is harder than writing a book. It's harder than yeah. studying Japanese, which is what I what I did at university, and I thought that was hard. Um, it's harder than track. I, I in my spare time, I'm a um, endurance athlete. I'm really into triathlon. That's my head. That's my hobby. Oh, okay. That's hard physically, but honestly, yeah. nothing is harder than running a business. And I have huge admiration for people that um, run, you know, that start and build and run businesses with you know upwards of twenty people. I just think, how have you done it? So my business has, uh, I have six uh, permanent team members now, plus a few freelancers wow. who are kind of regular team members. And I feel that's a massive achievement um, because I have I had no business experience really. So, um, but to do that has been so difficult because it's, because it, it, there's no manual for it. And perhaps exactly. it's easier for someone who has worked in a corporate environment or maybe an agency environment perhaps it's easier but because I've got that media background which has been very freelance you know the me the media world lends itself very well to freelancing I haven't had much of that experience of 
dealing with clients, um, kind of having to produce documents that are client ready. You know, when you work in a newsroom, it's just stuff just needs to get out on a deadline. There's none of this, oh, let's quality check something for the client or let's have a meeting and align on like what we're going to say. It's just, you just work into a deadline. It's just get it on yeah. air. And that's completely different to working for in a services industry, which is where, you know, you've got clients, you've got to have a, um, a protocol for communication. You've got to have consistent branding, consistent languaging, how the team send emails or coordinate. It's just got to all be aligned. And for someone like me who works in the media, never had any experience of that. So starting a business from scratch is so hard. Everything from figuring out what it is you actually do, what your specialism is, um, figuring out what, how, what, what your price is, figuring out what um, sales technique, you know, I've never done a sales call in my life. Um, <laughs> marketing materials, what to put in that marketing, what people actually, what do they want? And then, you know, then you've got all just the admin things, invoicing, um, the, 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 the registration process, the legal side of it. And then once you grow and you need, um, you need a new, you need people to help you, then you've got to recruit and getting your first recruits really hard because you're just a one-person band and no one wants to work one-on-one -on -one with their boss right so yeah. it's like you got to find someone who's willing to kind of come and work for you and most um young ambitious things they want to work for like a massive company Big so help. um i mean everything about it is is really hard and then at the different stages it gets you think oh, okay i've got that right i've got three employees now so we're, we're on our way we've got we've got branding we've got consistency yeah. we've got a system we've got a server and then but then it gets harder because then you then you have like recruitment then you've got to recruit again and it um you have different problems then and, you know then you need more um more the bigger you get you need more legal protections you need mm -hmm. um, standardized contracts so it's never ending really the challenges that when you're small are different to the challenges when you grow but there's just more chat you know more challenges but different yeah you're, you're right it, it's never ending and it's um especially when it's new to you there's so much information so many things you have to learn perfect and you don't know what you don't know so how do you keep going because there's always more work, right? But you got to shut it off at some time. You got to you got to get rest. You got to have a work life balance. You have to enjoy, you know, family or personal time. You got to train for those triathlons. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. how do you know? You know, basically, when to shut it off because you're doing it all alone or you know with a small amount of resources to start out with. Yeah, um, I think. It's really important that entrepreneurs do have boundaries, I think. Um, I've got a few. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Um, boundaries and and but one thing I will say before I say what my boundaries are is that I still think for me and this depends on your personality type for me the trade-off is not yeah. worth it so I'm um, while it is really stressful um running a business I personally find it more stressful being in a working environment where I'm working for someone and they're telling me what to do and I don't feel that what I'm doing is kind of has any reason to it like I, I I hate that I hate working in a normal. Yeah. If someone says do that kind of for the sake of it, or you know, be at your desk for nine for the sake of it, when I might be more productive if I got in for ten and had an extra hour sleep, that kind of thing, you know, that sort of thing. I I hate I so yeah. like because it's not logical to me. So I still think I'd rather be have the stresses of running a business than being confined to someone telling me. Like what I need to do. If, I don't mind people telling me what to do if it makes sense, right? Yeah. Of course. No, it's, it's not that there's, there's a lot of people can sit in the office and you, you waste eight, nine hours a day, but I could have did all this work in two hours, but it's just the fact that you want me here for eight, nine hours. Yeah. You don't care about the productivity. You just care that I was here for nine hours, yeah. but I could have done it in two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's those kind of things. Just ha- I think having control of my time is... It, so valuable to me yeah, and that is, is worth all the stresses of running a business i would really struggle going back to working for someone else i really would I mean, unless i had freedom within that role um but the reason for that is is because of my boundaries so my boundaries are um i have my, my mornings to me are are really sacred and i love to that's when um i do my fitness i'm really into my endurance sport and i i need to do it in the morning because for so many reasons it's it's just gets it out of the way, do it before breakfast. Um, I do it kind of because if once I start work, then I just get so into the work that I either yeah. can't stop in the evening or I'm gets I'm so mentally exhausted that I don't want to do anything. But you do it in the morning, you get daylight, you get fresh air, you get it, you get it out of the way. And um, and that's my thing. And then my other thing is I always try and get um sleep. So um I'm not a natural um early riser really and I think I think sleep's so important so I try not to set my alarm I mean obviously sometimes you have meetings I can't always do that but I try and sleep I want to wake up naturally so that means sometimes it's like um it so I do that and then I do my fitness and then I like to have kind of a good healthy breakfast sometimes it is 10 30 even 11 before I start so but I will go on late into the evening and I work weekends. So, um, and that for me is the most productive. So, um, and I just think I do the thing that I love and I get, um, you know, my routine in. So that's how I stick, I, I keep my boundaries as an entrepreneur. Yeah. You, you really love your fitness and it's become a part of your lifestyle, your routine. When was your first triathlon? Oh, that was, uh, well, I got into all that side of things in 2013, so like nearly 10 years ago now. Um, wow. I started off by 
joining a running club and I got really into the running side and then it became a bit of an addiction because I think I realized just kind of what I can do what you know um what the body can do so from the running club and then I started cycling and then I got into open water swimming so I think I, my first triathlon was 2014 um yeah but there was a whole door into endurance sport that opened um in 2013 I remember it very well because um I had just reached a point in life where I kind of wanted to stop partying and um and drinking not not that I was massively into that, but it just felt that every social, um, every social event I had involved revolved around drinking. It wasn't that I had a drinking problem or anything. It, yeah. just, it was no alternative. All the it's kind of it typical. Like, yeah. Friend, let's go for, let's go for a drink, drink a dinner <laughs> or lunch on a Sunday, and yeah. there's always a beer with it. And it was just like, God, is there is this all there is to life? Just sitting around and and drinking, and then you go on holiday, and it's like, oh, okay, what are we going to do? Walk around cafes and bars and just drink and I just thought god there's got to be something more social life than this so I opened uh, I went along to a running club and uh, and that was it it just I just realized that there was um groups out there that did all these fun things on a weekend that were still quite wholesome uh so that opened the door and in fact that's what my third book is about so I, I mentioned before that I've written three books that's actually what my third book was about it's a memoir about discovering uh, endurance sport outdoor sport mm-hmm. and and the wholesome effect that that had on my life and also um the realization that we can all do so much more with our bodies and our minds than we realize we can so i tell that through through my own story but make it applicable to kind of you know the wider issue of um of how much more we can all do how do you go about pitching um to media so I know there's there's got to be an art to it, right? Because like you said, there's so much noise. There's so many different um, articles, events, things happening that they can uh, write about or even have on the on the news, you know, for that particular time. So how do you go about making sure what you have to offer is exciting for them or valuable for them? Yeah, gosh, we could do, you know, a whole whole series of podcasts on that and that is the golden question isn't it you know i mean that yeah we'll do a series on it um, i mean that is the golden question of pr how do you get media and there is no simple answer because if there was a simple answer then prs would be out of a job and that is it, it's an art it's very you know it, okay. it's a very much a kind of every which way you can can think so uh, but I think there's principles and the, the main the first principle is knowing what it is how knowing how you can help a journalist or how you would fit into the media because I think most people think of the media and they think of a news story right so they think that oh okay you know classic um company who wants to get some media coverage they think all right a journalist is going to write about my business and how we're helping the industry to do x right yeah that's a marketing newsletter right that's not that's that's not a story so Mm. i think the first thing is to think about how would either you know what what is it you want to give to journalists is it just a quote in which case do you have Mm. some expertise on a wider industry topic that you think um, is relevant for now 
in which case yeah. you're going to be contacting writers who write about a certain um, industry and you say right I can give you um, a, an insight into something that's topical that's happening right now or is it going is or are you envisaging an actual full-on article that you could write um, which is the thought leadership articles which is what we specialize in and those okay. that for that you don't need to you wouldn't contact a writer you'd contact an editor because a writer is mm. going to be writing it themselves, right? You want to write an editor who would commission you to write about that. And in which case, for that, you need to be thinking of, okay, what um, what would be an article that I could write that the readers of this publication are genuinely going to find interesting and that hasn't been said before? So, again, it yeah. can't be promotional about business. It can't be how we are helping X, Y, Z. It, it's, it's got to be more about, you know, a wider topical issue. So anyone who wants to get media's got to be you've got to be on top of what is happening in the media to know what is relevant because you've got to have that context to know what's relevant so or is it that you know you're um you think you you genuinely have a new story i.e something is um you've got some new research or something like that and if it's a new story then you need to be pitching it as a news story. And then you'd go to publications that run news stories about your industry. So that's it. You you can't answer how to get media until you can actually understand yourself. What is it that I'm actually trying to get into the media? Is it expertise? Is it opinion? Or is it a Mm. news story? Yeah, that's that's important. I guess most people don't take the time. You know, when I say people, it, it could be a company as a whole, but they don't take the time to reflect on what they're providing that how that you're talking about. Yeah. Now, my mind is is racing, so I usually don't do two part questions. I kind of hate them. I like <laughs> to get get a specific answer, but I want to know what does somebody have to do? What, what do you recommend somebody does to prepare their self before they come to um, thought leadership PR? Like what what should I have in place already before I come to you? That's a good question. What should they have in place? Um, hmm. So it depends because we have different um, packages. So I say that for people with who have no profile whatsoever and like need to kickstart their profile. And then we have um, services for people that already have some profile and, mm. and, and they want to accentuate that. So I think for, for people that have no profile whatsoever, you know, what we start with is kind of looking at their existing profile, giving them, making, making sure their kind of social media profiles or any bio or any website, et cetera, is clear about what they do. So it's optimized for them for being found because there's no point doing any PR, no point actually getting them any publicity if what they do where, where they appear online doesn't show what they're doing. So I think you've got, you've got to yeah. start by that. Um, then we, you know, we need to get some clarity on what it is they can actually talk about. What is their area of expertise? What are the topical stories in the news right now that they can comment on? So that's um, that people need to have a bit of clarity on that, I think, if, before they can yeah. come to us. Although we, we do draw that out of them. You know, we have a process that, okay. where we clarify that. But if they already have their own idea, that it helps. Um, and what else? And then I think, you know, they need to be qualified, know that they're qualified to talk about um, something that 
And what, why I say that is um, we often get clients that come to us, or potential clients rather, and they say, you know, I want to talk, about, I feel passionate about, let's just try, and, I'm trying to make up a fictional example because I don't want to give away any clients, but <laughs> I'm passionate about, um, you know, um, saving endangered tigers right <laughs> and they're so yeah. passionate about it and they want to and they know loads about it because they read about it in, in their in their spare time and they want to go to um you know the national geographic and they want to write a piece about why it's so important to save tigers but they don't work with tigers <laughs> so uh-huh. and they're like they're, they you know then there's nothing we can do and they say oh no but i'm doing it you know or i'm i've um I've, but I've donated like loads of money to save the tigers or, or whatever, yeah. <laughs> but there's no formal qualification. So mm. whatever you want to talk about or write about, you've got to have some background to back it up. You can't just be passionate about it. You've got to have yeah. um, a, a career history that backs it up or, or perhaps you've done some research yourself on that or perhaps you've had a personal experience that qualifies you. So yeah, that's that's pretty um, important. Yeah, so it can't just be solely passion. There's got to be some qualifications and some experience behind that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, what else do we need from them? Um, I think it just you know a willingness to um, express views as well. Um, and mm. this is where uh, interesting the, the diff. This is the difference between PR and marketing. And people think they're the same, but marketing is about just expressing the messages of, of the company and expressing kind of things that you do. And PR is about um, expertise and opinions about, on wider topics that's relevant to an audience. So I'll give you again, I'll give you an example. Um, we often get, um, again, people that, you know, prospects that come to us and they just want to talk about um like their industry, say for example, um, common um, a common industry that we get leads for is like people, founders of tech businesses, right? Yeah. So say if um, you know they just want to talk about how their um, their new the app that they're developing is solving a problem in let's just say the HR industry for argument's sake, um, yeah. right? And but that's not really going to be of interest. They just want to talk about the problems and the solutions. And I use that in inverted commas because that's a really common like marketing term. And they just want to talk about the problems and solutions that their product is helping. Right? That's that's yeah. not that's marketing. That would be great as a marketing user. That might be great as a blog. That might be great in you know in, in the emails that they send to their existing clients. But for PR, what's more, they they need to be writing stuff for an HR magazine about you know trends in in the workplace or the challenges of hybrid working or something so um yeah so what we need then from people is a willingness to expand their talking points and their expertise to to wider topics yeah i'm glad you clarified that because i i guess the line gets blurred sometimes even um you know while we're having a conversation i'm thinking about marketing aspects when you should actually be focusing more on just the PR side and, and how you're going to um, expand the industry and provide value and advance, you know, that sector. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
um, I mean, people come to us, um, I think, for one of four reasons, because there's different reasons why people want personal PR. And one is that they, they want um, to cement authority in for that to their personal brand. So they want kind of people to Google them and then some, you know, online articles to pop up when people search their name. Because what that means is it's cementing their expertise as an industry expert. So if they already have some warm leads and then, um, you know, they're seen to be writing articles in industry publications and that warm lead is more likely to convert because they're like, oh, okay, they know what they're talking about. Um, so that's that's the first reason. And, and then the second reason is they might not necessarily be looking for new clients, but they just want to spread a message. Uh, yeah. You know, they're just passionate about kind of a cause and they want to lead lead debate. And um, we have we've had a couple of philanthropists actually as clients. And, you know, they're not looking to promote their services or anything, but they just feel strongly about something and they want to get um, their views out there. Um, and then um, the other reason is just we just get a lot of clients who just want clarity um i think on what they can talk about and um and that's where our you know initial strategy call is the kind of the most useful phase of yeah. our services for them because we really scope out like what it is they can actually talk about um, and then the other reason i think people want our services they, they want that personal pr is they're pivoting into something new so they may have had they, they may be in a successful entrepreneur entrepreneur who's had a series of businesses and then they're opening a new business and something completely new um, or they've been an employee uh, quite a senior employee and then they want to branch out alone and they want to become a, um, a consultant so they want to kind of suddenly raise their digital profile so that they're found a bit more easily uh, and they're just kind of yeah pivoting their expertise a little bit all right well, I appreciate it. I got something that I love to do on every show. So the name of the show is Success Leaves Clues Podcast. So I like to point out a couple of clues that I picked up during our conversation. And I'm quite sure the audience is going to pick up on, you know, some things of their own. So the, the first thing um, that I picked up on is your ability to stay focused and, and persevere. When you were early in your career, it may not have seemed like you was on the right track, but you knew that uh, essentially if you kept going, if you kept learning uh, different pieces from each um, you know, job or position that you was in, it would eventually help lead you and guide you to the right place. Uh, the second thing is uh, your discipline. It takes a lot of focus, dedication, time and energy to do a triathlon, but yeah. Um, you still continue even now after, you know, doing several triathlons still to make that a part of your daily routine. And I know it's not easy. A lot of people can come up with different excuses, different reasons, but that transitions into your success as an entrepreneur, as a writer, as a journalist, because you're taking those same skills and that same discipline and just applying it to to business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's very perceptive. Uh, yeah, and the, the third thing that I noticed is um your care for other people. So your 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 business as a whole, um, thought leadership PR, and then you're providing value and advancing other people. You're helping them become successful in their business, in their life. But then not only that, but your employees, your team members, your staff, 
you're also providing them something and helping them be successful. So how can you not win, Helen? You're you're helping so many <laughs> other people that it's it, it's just overflowing to you too. Oh, well, let's hope so. Let's hope I do win <laughs> with this business. Thank you. That's uh that's a really nice um really nice roundup. Um the discipline thing, I don't know where that comes from. I I I think people have it or they don't. Like I mean, mm. that's probably might not be very encouraging for people that don't have it. But <laughs> it is something I've always had, and yeah. um, I actually think it's innate because, um, my my sister, my sister, God, I wish I had your self discipline. <laughs> we had the same upbringing, so I, I don't know where that comes from. Uh, I think you can have too much discipline as well. well that's another. Good oh. I think it's good to be able to turn off the discipline. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because I think self-discipline does not go hand in hand with um, sociability. Like I think most mm. most people um, like a someone who's a little bit like flexible, free and easy, like happy to kind of let deadlines go. Like they're always the people that you kind of want to hang around with and that's the sort of people you want at a party, right? Um, yeah. So I think it's... It, you've got to be able to turn off the discipline as well. And that's something I've yeah. learned to do as I've, as I've got older. Thanks for sharing that. That's a great point. Um, so I want to remind everybody out there, if you can leave it until next time. Thank you. Dr. Thank you for listening to another episode of the success leaves clues podcast. Be sure to follow Dr. K on Instagram at Dr. K Washington or the podcast page at Success Leaves Clues Podcast. We'll see you here next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.